0: G'day! Welcome aboard the Starship Zero-G, science fiction, fantasy and historical radio for episode number 1394. Yeah, I know I mistakenly told you last week's episode was 1394. That was then, this is now, and hey, we've got multiverse theory in play across so many media franchises now. You just know that somewhere out there last week it really was 1394. So, Boldly numerate where no fan has gone before, and don't worry, be happy. Everything is canon, everywhere, all at once. Anywho, I'm Rob Jan, and our co-host Megan McHugh has portaled to another dimension this week. So, it's just you and me. <laughs> before we get started, does anyone want to get out? today's episode is entitled all at once everything is everywhere okay imagine me drawing a curve through the air to open brackets and then waving my hands in the air like a muppet and then closing those brackets with another wave of the hand because i'm doing a bit of a mix of content today and our podcast title is podpourri special blend not to be taken internally Now, speaking of special blends, I only have passing interest in the competitive aspect of Eurovision, although full marks for Ukraine's well-turned win, which combined a catchy song with a strong performance and was also a mega-popular slap in the tin mask of brutal dictator Dr. Vladimir Doontin, whose Latverian nation was banned from this year's contest on account of it being a warmongering rogue state with no better vision for already challenging times in the 21st century, but to invade neighbouring countries. Yaboo sucks, Vlad. Whew. <laughs> Where's the Tylenol? Oh, all right. Look, it's Latveria that Dr. Doom comes from in the Marvel comic universe. Not latvia just trying to make sure i don't cause any doubt and uncertainty and confusion there as usual though i've done a quick recce of the 2022 eurovision field keeping an eye out for the inevitable elements that were of zero g genre interest so amongst other things today i'm going to spin some Eurovision tracks and no sorry Wanda, that's eurovision not your late and clearly way over the top lamented android husband vision do not hex me. Look, the obvious song for Zero G to home in on was the UK's entry performed by Sam Ryder, Spaceman. So let's blast off with that. Hi, this is Corey Maccabee from Stingray Sam and the American Astronaut, and you're listening to Zero G on 3 FM. He does the things that folks don't do that need to be done. Sam Ryder cover in a star-spangled costume on the stage at Eurovision 2022, encapsulating the UK's entry, Spaceman. Sam was reportedly inspired to learn how to play the guitar after the Finnish rock band Lordi won the Eurovision Song Contest in 2006. Lordi's win peaking zero-G genre interest on account of the Finnish hard rock slash heavy metal bands, elaborate horror-themed costumes and prosthetics. Ryder is also a bit of a ufologist, and he claims that he spotted one once. Well, (laughs) with his interest in aliens, it's no wonder that he cites David Bowie amongst his inspirations. Alrighty, I did say I was going to be getting things from all over today, and Marvel has dropped a new trailer for its upcoming She-Hulk television series due to stream later this year, which gives me the cue to do a little backgrounding on it. Now, when you're checking out these trailers, it's a good idea to find an, an actual official one because I've been fooled before by some pretty well-made fan trailers that they release in advance of the actual movie or television show. It's got nothing to actually do with the official content. Anywho, the Marvel comic book character, Jennifer Walters, a.k.a. the Savage She-Hulk, as she was originally built, was created by writer Stan Lee and artist John Buscema, relatively late in the publishing house's history in 1980. Shulky, as she somewhat clumsily nicknamed, but not to her face I'd warrant, was bemusingly kind of a copyright placeholder and reportedly the beloved Bill Bixby, Lou Ferrigno television series, The Incredible Hulk, was so successful back in the day that Marvel wanted to lock down the rights to a female version of Hulk, just in case the television producers decided to create their own Lady Hulk, following in the slow-motion footsteps of the $6 million man spinning off the original Bionic Woman series. The point of copyright law being that Marvel Comics would get in first. With that in mind, it's hardly surprising that Jennifer Walters' day job was lawyer, She-Hulk has had her own irregular solo book over the years since then and went on to become a member of the Avengers, the Fantastic Four, the Defenders, the Hulkbusters. Takes one to know one, I guess. And also the all-woman A-Force team. And amongst other affiliations, on the legal side, she worked for the Superhuman Law Division of the New York law firm of Goodman, Lieber, Kurtzberg and Holloway, And, of course, those names are all significant in the Marvel publishing world, one way or another. And it's not a long story how Walters became She-Hulk, although the details have varied over time and through different reboots. She's Bruce Banner's cousin, and in order to save her life after she's badly injured, she received a transfusion of his gamma-powered blood, which, before you could say She-Hulk smash and Jen litigate, This empowered her with Hulk-like powers and the physical transformation that goes with them, along with a few other abilities special to her. She-Hulk's combination of brawn and brains and dual career as super-powered hero and equally high-powered lawyer transcended her pragmatic copyright-defending origin and led writer Peter David to say that she was potentially Marvel's Wonder Woman title I'd personally say she'd have to share with Carol Danvers' Captain Marvel. Of course, I'd not care to have either of them hear me say that. Uh, The MCU characters, some of them I've been interested in for years before they came to the screen, reading about them in the comics, and She-Hulk is one of those. Now, cross-media over the years, she has appeared in several animated television series and has been voiced by a variety of actors, like uh, in the Incredible Hulk animated series, uh, Victoria Carroll played the role. Best known for her role as uh, Marie Massey in the Alice series in the late 1970s. And some other women who have given voice to She-Hulk include actress and singer Liza Zayn, and Cree Summer, who's got truly vast credits across cartoons, live-action TV and movies and video games, Tara Strong, Rebecca Shoiket, and even Katie Starbuck-Sackhoff and Eliza Faith Dushku. At one stage, Bridget Red Sonja Nielsen was even attached to a live-action She-Hulk movie project back in the 1990s, but nothing much came of that apart from a few potential-laden photos of her in costume. Right, now we're all caught up, and now it's Tatiana Maslany's turn. A great choice! She's already spectacularly demonstrated her considerable genre acting prowess playing multiple clones in the excellent Orphan Black science fiction television series. Maslany was one of the stars of the 2002 science fiction series, 2030 CE, but I actually think I first saw her in the terrific Ginger Snaps Werewolf series of movies, uh, number two, Ginger Snaps Unleashed, back in 2004. She played a character called Ghost. And of course, she was also in George A. Romero's 2007 movie, Diary of the Dead. But now she is the star of She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. And I love the idea that it's focusing upon the legal career because, you know, also that means maybe we'll get a cameo from Daredevil playing, well, in his Matt Murdock guys as a really good lawyer. Now, this is supposed to be the uh, eighth television series in the MCU produced by Marvel Studios, and I think it's going to be about nine episodes. It's created by Jessica Gao, who's an American TV writer and producer and known for her work on Rick and Morty and Silicon Valley, Robot Chicken, um, Star Wars Detours, and Kung Fu Panda, Legends of Awesomeness. (laughs) All right, she is the showrunner for She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. And Maslani will be alongside Mark Ruffalo, reprising his role as the Hulk. Uh, Tim Roth, uh, also appearing again in a role he's been in before as the Abomination, a gamma-powered and or super-soldier serum-created monster. Benedict Wong plays Wong again, and we'll also have... Jamila Jamila from The Good Place. She's showing up as a villainess called Titania. Now, some things about the trailer. I I like the voiceover. All right, that sounds like a standard narrative dodge, but in She-Hulk's case, it's particular because the character is known for breaking the fourth wall, or at least the panel lines in the comic books. So I do hope they get into that. That's got to really be something that they'll lean into. Uh, we see the character getting hurt in a vehicle crash, although it's unknown whether it's that accident that injures her enough to get the transfusion from Bruce. There's a full reveal of her costume in the trailer, the uh, the green and white active wear, sort of fairly iconic in terms of the character. Well, at least there's an action figure of it, uh, which leaves her arms and legs characteristically bare, and green, of course, you've got to have that green hue in here. Looks to me like they're also putting in her early garb as well, if you can call it that, but basically the remains of a white blouse that she was wearing as she transformed into the Hulk. You know, the drill, it's just like Mark Ruffalo's Hulk when he changes and sometimes bursts out of his clothing, that kind of thing. All right, now, at this stage, she's not out of control hyper buff either like the Hulk, um, as she is in the current Avengers comic, actually, come to think of it, but more of a slimmed-down version, just bigger. (laughs) And speaking of Hulk, Mark Ruffalo's nerd Hulk has clearly taken his cousin under his wing to show her the superhero ropes. It's clear that that's a process that's going to have its ups and downs, as he's not exactly the ideal mentor. And it looks to me like maybe he's trying to do that on his gamma lab on an isolated island, which they've mentioned before in the MCU. And he explains that the transformations are triggered by anger and fear and so on. And, of course, has to subject her to some of those (laughs) things as well, just to run her through her paces. Uh, We also see Tim Roth playing the Abomination, and we saw him do that in the 2008 Incredible Hulk movie opposite Ed Norton, but more recently in the Shang-Chi movie, where he was doing cage fights for, or perhaps even temporary liberty, something that the Sorcerer Supreme Wong was arranging, to be sure. And it's intriguing how the sets in this television show tie directly into the scenes that we saw in the Shang-Chi movie. Now, we've also got Hulk and She-Hulk, jumping and landing, sort of going through some training together. Not the usual superhero landing for Shulky, at least. She hits ground with two feet square and bending at both knees and then hammers fists into the earth this is a very classic pose from the comic books speaking of the comic books there's a, a villain in here Frogman now that's a, out of left field also recently seen in the, uh, the Iron Man comics too uh, I hope they lean into that one he's a kind of a funny kind of character but they are certainly getting into the law side of things, which is all to the good. I think that's one of the stronger aspects of the She-Hulk series. And speaking of stronger, uh, She-Hulk's appetites amongst all things when she's in that form are quite strong, and they do have a bit of a chuckle over her dating. Now, the CGI does look a bit unfinished in the trailer, the lighting and the rendering, but I have no real reason to not attribute this to a trailer deadline. often happens they tweak it and bring it closer to home by the time they get to the actual series. Sometimes, and this is the way it works, rendering it even on the day of first broadcast. I've seen that happen before. So we'll wait and reserve judgment until we actually see it on the screen. When will that be? Well, I think it's around about August this year. Lots of promise, anyway, I thought, at least. All right, so here we've got a track called She-Hulk, featuring Plain Jane, and it's from an album called Females Can Spit, volume number one, by P-O-M-E, and it's a hop rap song from 2014. So a little bit of harsh language in this, naughty words. So, you know, but hey, it's She-Hulk. And contrary to the catchphrase, we do like her when she's angry. This is Carly Chan, author of The Dark Heavens and Journey to Wudung trilogies, and you're listening to 3 FM. The album was Females Can Spit Volume 1 with a track called She-Hulk, in case you didn't get it, by P-O-M-E. Now, at the top of Zero G today, I did say I was going to pick out the genre entrails from the carcass of the 2022 Eurovision Song Contest held over in Turin, Italy, and so I shall continue on with one here. Now, this is the group Sub Wolfer, which is a direct reference to the two band members, in this Norwegian pop duo's (laughs) costuming repertoire. And they wear black suits, uh, white shirts, and they've got these very, very strong yellow wolf head masks and yellow gloves and ties. And they call themselves Keith and Jim, although their real identities have kind of been a bit obscure. Up until the Eurovision, I think, they got uh, outed from the uh, costuming... uh, covert identities that they'd adopted in any case it felt like a very genre song a little bit surreal a little bit goofy and a little bit wolfy since the song was give that wolf a banana (laughs) on part of subwoofer's act is a gold quilted space suit wearing character called dj spaceman yeah it's all zero g Hi, I'm Andrea Thompson, and I played Talia Winters, resident commercial telepath, on Babylon 5. You're listening to Zero G on 3 R. and I know what you're thinking. Banana. Well, give that wolf a banana. Norwegian pop duo from the Eurovision Song Contest. The group was the appropriately lupine masked group, Sub Wolfa. Like a good pun. Well, like a good Eurovision pun in this case. I'm still stoked over Tatiana Maslany playing Jennifer Walters She-Hulk in the new Marvel series, which will be coming out later this year. I think she really fits the role quite well. Now, new Doctor Who. We're getting to know quite a bit about the composition of the new TARDIS crew, post the final Jodie Whittaker special episodes airing in the rest of 2022. Showrunner Chris Chibnall hands over the TARDIS console to Russell T Davies, the now veteran and producer, who, of course, ran the series when it restarted across the Christopher Eccleston to David Tennant eras from 2005 to 2009. Davies will thus be helming the long-running series during its milestone 60th anniversary. Gosh, has it been that long? Davy's new Doctor will be 29-year-old Rwandan-Scottish actor Shuti Gatwa, well-known to apparently everyone but genre-focused me for his star turn on a Netflix streaming series called Sex Education. Now, Shuti isn't the first person of colour to play the role of the Doctor, as that honour went to Joe Martin, who appeared as a guest star in several Jodie Whittaker episodes as a different incarnation of the iconic Time Lord. Always have, always will maintain on Zero-G that representation matters. Infinite diversity in infinite combinations. I've seen Shooty before in Horrible Histories the movie, had a small role in that, and also he has appeared in Shakespeare's Globe, A Midsummer Night's Dream. Now joining Shooty in New Adventures will be black transgender actress Yasmin Finney, playing a character called Rose. That Rose and that Yaz, well, it could be Russell T Davies just being cheeky. I have yet to discover whether or not this is a nod to Billy Piper's former Hoovian companion. Now, Yasmin is previously also well-known for appearing in another Netflix show I've not seen, the LGBT plus comedy Heartstopper. Now, an additionally welcome news RTD returns David Tennant along with Catherine Tate to the crew at least for the 60th anniversary special obviously it's the 10th Doctor and Companion Donna Noble doubling up on more on Doctors and Companions is a tradition of various anniversary specials on the show over the years wait a minute, RTD, Russell T Davies because he's a, a retread showrunner do we get to call him RTD2? it's possible <laughs> well, it's all set for the much-anticipated future and ongoing into 2023. Now, speaking of diversity, Australian singer Sheldon Riley is openly gay and diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome at age six. He is Melbourne-based but has been over to Turin in Italy to represent Oz in the Eurovision Song Contest with his song Not the Same, which is about discrimination and exclusion, and his experiences with autism. Had a great costume for Eurovision, and that's one of the features of the contest. And this one would have been a showstopper anyway—a white jacket with a ginormous cloak and silver mesh mask, which is something uh, of a signature of Sheldon. I'm not sure if he's worn that particular mask before, or at least something similar on the show The Voice. Uh, is in a custom-made outfit by Melbourne couturier Alin LeCal. Uh, Weighed a massive 38 kilograms and took about 2,500 hours to create 90,000 pearls, crystals, and feather. (sighs) Sounds like a very zero G friendly costume to me. So here we go with his song Not the Same. Hello, my name is Sylvester McCoy. I play Doctor Who number seven and you're listening to me and you are also listening to 0G on 3 Triple R FM Sheldon Riley there with the song Not the Same Eurovision contest entry representing Australia in 2022 as i've said before i don't really care where they placed in the competition that's not the point of 0G picking over the genre friendly goodies of the contest Sad to report a bit of cancellation news in terms of the CW, which has been quite superhero series friendly. They're saying that the series Legends of Tomorrow, after its seven seasons, and Batwoman, after three, are no longer in their lineup, although they will still continue on with Stargirl and The Flash and Superman and. Lois, along with a new show called Gotham Knights. Oh, and speaking of cancellations, over at Netflix, they've revealed that they'll not be going forwards with a Space Force Season 3. Now, Space Force was a bit of a joke to start with, created by Greg Daniels and comedian Steve Carell. Uh, It also starred John Malkovich, Ben Schwartz, Diana Silvers, Tawny Newsom, and Jimmy O. But this series I grew to love along the way, it wasn't just a sort of trumpian gag. it in turn became its own entity as a science fiction series, I felt at least. So the thing is that it's ended on pretty much of a cliffhanger with space force having to deal with an asteroid bearing in upon Earth, which I think would have yielded quite a bit of interesting comedy, but it was not to be. You never know, these things sometimes go on to be picked up by other stations. Oh well, Space Force. I guess we never will find out why the General's wife was in prison. (laughs) Another interesting development is the addition of a spin-off to the long-running series Supernatural. Now, after 15 impressive, hard-working seasons. This spin-off is called The Winchesters, and it's basically about John and Mary Winchester before they actually had their sons Sam and Dean. And it's going to star Meg Donnelly from Zombies as Mary and Drake Roger from the In-Betweens as John Winchester. They're also going to have uh, Bianca Kajilic from Legacies as Sam and Dean's paternal grandmother, quite an important character in the new show. Jensen Ackles has a lot to do with this show as executive producer and narrator, obviously, in between his new gig as the... Captain America spoof character Soldier Boy on The Boys. This show doesn't seem to have any involvement from Jared Padalecki in it, which is a pity. Well, on the subject of supernatural and things that go bump in the night, the French entry for Eurovision this year had very much of a folkloric Crafting of Witchery in the Deep Woods, and it starred Elven and Ahes. So, we had a single singer working together with a group with a song called Foulaine, and this was actually performed in the language of Breton, which is spoke in Brittany in the west of France. It's all about the empowerment of women and features some demonic influences part of the translation reads as by making wild beasts i dance i steal the fire from their gaze full of desire and turn it in a song to sing in unison she dances with the devil so what i dance with the devil so what i think Wanda maximoff would be well at home with this song. Hello, this is Charlie Hayes. I've played several characters in various Big Finish audios, alongside, probably more famously, my uh, Helena Bonham Carter gasp. <gasps> Do you recognize it? You're listening to Zero G on 3 Triple RFM. Zero G, you heard it here first. Into the Woods with Alvan and Hayes britain language version of the song foulaine the the french eurovision 2022 entry now we've been running a genre filter over this year's eurovision entries and i was thinking about a david bowie connection to eurovision you could certainly make a case for david bowie mirroring the exotic costuming and make up choices from Eurovision over the years and vice versa, of course there've been many Bowie inspired entries. I got to thinking were there ever any Bowie cover songs? done at Eurovision, and was reminded by my partner that it's original songs, and I thought, did David Bowie ever cover any Eurovision songs? And he did! <laughs> we have to go to the Absolute Beginners movie, a 1986 musical film, came out from Britain, directed by Julian Temple. Not a really great film, but David Bowie does have a part to play in it, and he does a cover of that classic song Volare, which was originally recorded by Italian singer-songwriter Domenico. And the thing is that the song was originally heard at the 1958 Eurovision Song Contest. So here we go, David Bowie covering a Eurovision hit Is he covering it very well? I don't know. It's all about the novelty value for Zero-G in this case. Volare. I'm Catherine Janeway, the captain of this ship. Can you hear me? Zero-G is fun, as you were. In the sky, painted blue. (laughs) Volare by Mr. David Bowie there. Actually, a cover of probably the most played Italian song ever. Volare, recorded by Italian singer-songwriter Domenico, but here covered by Bowie for the Absolute Beginners soundtrack from the 1986 Julian Temple-directed musical. Bowie hums along to that tune on as he hears it on a car radio in Absolute Beginners. I think he actually... Includes it a little bit in the Tin Machine tour. It's my life. Just to break into a few lines from it during um, Heavens in Here. At least according to Nicholas Pegg's indispensable compilation of David Bowie trivia, the book The Complete David Bowie. Now, turning to other musical matters, I'm still coming to terms and processing the impact of the death of the great, the legendary, iconic Greek electronic musician and composer Evangelos Odysseus Papathanassiou, popularly known as Vangelis, died after a 50-year career in music on the 17th of May, age 79 in Paris, heart failure, was receiving treatment for COVID-19. So many incredible soundtracks amongst other contributions to the genre and of course I think we will pay tribute to Vangelis with a couple of major tracks from Blade Runner going out from today's show. We'll go for the love theme and probably a bit of Rachel's song as well. Still taking it all in, really. All right, that's it for Zero G this week. Joe Brunetic coming up next with Astral Glamour. And thank you, as usual, to our co-host, Megan McHugh, and also to our podcaster, Kayla Larson.